0: they're going to watch a resurrection everybody live streamed on the internet on their phone these guys were dead and they're going to be raised can you imagine you know people say hey just show me a miracle and i'll believe they're going to watch a resurrection
1: hi everyone welcome to the podcast of calvary chapel echo park here in los angeles california we are a small fellowship of diverse believers who want to serve our lord and do his will you can find out more about our fellowship at ccechopark.com join us for a live stream on sunday in the new testament and wednesday evenings in the old testament now let's get into the word of god in our weekly podcast the teaching is from pastor david Higa and will be the study of the revelation of Jesus Christ and the book of Revelation.
0: Verse 1 chapter says, Then I was given a reed like a measuring rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there. Verse 2, but leave out the court which is outside the temple and do not measure it for it has been given to the Gentiles. And they will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months. And I will give power to my two witnesses and they will prophesy 1,260 days, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lamps standing. He wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. Verse 6 These have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy, and they have power over waters to turn them to blood and to strike earth with all plagues as often as they desire. Verse 7. When they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Then those from the peoples, tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days and not allow their dead bodies to be put into graves, and those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them, make merry, and send gifts to one another, because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. Verse 11, now after the three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them, and they stood on their feet, and great fear fell on those who saw them, and they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here, and they ascended to heaven in a cloud and their enemies saw them. In the same hour, verse 13, there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell. In the earthquake 7,000 people were killed, and the rest were afraid to the God of heaven. The second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. Okay, so the two themes here really are the temple, right? And, And these two witnesses, okay? you read the book of Revelation, you cannot deny that this is Jewish. It talks about Israel over and over and over again. Now, the interesting thing is how we interpret when it talks about Israel. Now, remember the 144,000, as I mentioned in the first parenthetical there, right? A lot of people, they interpret that symbolically. They believe that that is a picture of the church. And we kind of alluded to this. We talked about how There are many in the church, many good brothers and sisters in the church that are saved, right? It's just that they have a different interpretation on end times theology. We are what we like to be called literalists, right? When it says it, we literally believe it, right? So we take things literally as much as we can, unless the scripture clearly says, you know, we can uh, uh, take a a symbolic or an illustrative type of of interpretation. And so when it says Israel, when it says 144,000, 12,000 from every tribe, we... We believe what it says, right? It's Israel, and there's going to be 12,000 from every tribe. And remember, we noted that the seal is going to be placed on their forehead, and, and God is going to protect them through the tribulation. And these are going to be the evangelists. They're going to be on fire for the Lord. So God is not finished with Israel. But there are many that believe that the church replaced Israel because Israel's denied Messiah, right? It's called replacement theology. So everywhere you see a reference to Israel, It's a reference symbolically to the church. Now, I don't hold to that, but there's a lot of people that believe that, a lot of good Bible students do, right? And so we want to know that. The reason I mention this to you, because when we now read in chapter 11, when it talks about a temple, well, how do you symbolically interpret the temple? Well, I'm going to give you how they do this. But when it says here, Then I was given a reed like a measuring rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God, the altar. And those who worship there, right? How do you measure a symbolic temple? Well, they have a way around that to talk about it. But when I say a measuring rod, this is an actual rod. You can do research on that. And it was a rod that they would use. It was actually like a staff they would walk with, but it's pretty long. And he says, take this measuring rod and measure out the temple. Now, when it says the temple, I feel like, well, there's a temple in the tribulation. But what do they do? They, they, they interpret it this way. I'm just going to give you this data so you know that you're there are brothers and sisters in the Lord that believe this right and that's okay we have reasons why we believe this is literal but they believe that the temple of God is really what is the church how do they believe that well they go to some of Paul's writings and you know if you read David Guzik's commentary he goes into this now David Guzik is one of the commentaries I read along with Walverd and some of these other ones but You know, he goes into, now he believes that in a literal interpretation as well, but he gives reasons why, and he actually does a good job. It would be worth kind of you studying that, how other ones interpret this as symbolic of the church. And he goes to passages like Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 21, and 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. You can mark this in your notes. I'm going to reference this. But remember when it talks about uh, we as living stones built one upon another? Resting upon the chief cornerstone. And then in the letter to the Ephesian church, it talks about how we are, um, uh, are strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of his household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. And he says, in whom the whole building being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And so we take these scriptures together, Right. This is uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 21 I just referred to, but then also Peter talks about, right? He says that we are, what, living, a living stone, right? We're living stones being built upon uh, up as spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Peter says that we living stones are built upon, what? The chief cornerstone, right, which is Jesus. So they take these scriptures and they say, well, it's in scripture that we're represented, the church, as this, this temple of God. Living stones built one upon another, not actual physical stones, physical stone, but they use that, that kind of connection as, as a, a temple in the Old Testament. We are the temple of God now, right? We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And as we come together, as we join as a church, right, that we become the temple of God. So it's in a way that. Paul and Peter, they spiritualize the temple, right? We are the temple of God. So we don't need a temple to worship anymore, right? Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes in us when we're born again, as we join together, fellow believers, right? Individuals, we're living stones built one upon another, and then we become the temple of God. And so that's where they go, okay? Now, the interesting thing here in chapter 11, verse 1, is how do you measure that? Dimensions. Well, They'll go and they'll look at this and they'll say, notice in verse 1 in chapter 11, he says, Then I was given a reed like a measuring rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there. It's a measurement of those who worship there, right? And so, it's not so much talking about dimensions. Now, what they highlight this is, too. Notice he says to measure with a measuring rod, but it actually doesn't give the dimensions. I say, well, so what? Give some dimensions of the temple in ezekiel the millennial temple right and it says to measure it so it's an interesting thing even though it doesn't actually list the dimensions here right in the temple and other references when it says spiritually speaking to measure it right but they say they actually give the dimensions, and you can see this in ezekiel you can see this the measurements of the new jerusalem right new jerusalem in revelation chapter 21 does it actually give dimensions it certainly does So just because it doesn't give it here doesn't mean it doesn't give it in other parts of the scripture. That's the point, okay? So what they would say, it's a measurement of the believers that are worshiping there, which could be true, but I believe there's actual dimensions of the temple. And we can see the actual dimensions of the temple in Ezekiel, chapter 40, 41, 42, and 43 specifically. We see actual dimensions of the New Jerusalem, in Revelation chapter 21, and so there's a literal interpretation, which I think is very, very, um, very good to do, because it gives literal dimensions, okay, so all that to say, the reason I'm giving you this is because there is a group in the church, brothers and sisters you might fellowship with, they believe that this is not talking about the actual temple, a physical temple in Jerusalem, it's talking about the church, now, I would beg to differ, because the flow here, really specifically talks about Jerusalem, right? A temple in the tribulation in Jerusalem and two Jewish men, these two witnesses that are ministering at the temple, right? And this is going to fit in how we interpret Revelation literally as a whole. Okay, so let's keep reading here. It says, Then I was given a reed like a measuring rod and the angel stood saying, Rise and measure the temple of God. I believe this is a literal measurement, okay? And it says, Measure the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there. Okay, so there's that measurement physically, right? But then also the measurement of the people. How many people are worshiping there? Now, let's think about this. If we were to take this litter, which I do, right? It's a physical temple. Where's that physical temple going to be built? It's going to be built in Jerusalem, right? Who lives in Jerusalem? Jews. So who's going to be worshiping at the temple in Jerusalem? It's, It's Jews. Okay, So these two witnesses who stand before the temple, witnessing, who are they going to be witnessing to? They're going to be witnessing to Jews. So in the latter days, and specifically I think this is talking about the last three and a half years, which is the great tribulation, and that's why there's a reference to 42 months, which is three and a half years, and 1,260 days in verse 3, using a a 30-day monthly calendar, right, Uh, year. That's why it's referred to three and a half years. It happens in the latter three and a half years. And this coincides with other scripture, particularly, right, Daniel 7. right? The 77, the last seven-year period. But remember, he says in the middle of that last seven-year period, that 70th week, what's going to happen? The abomination of desolation. That's when Antichrist is going to come in to the what? The temple. Okay, so at the Temple Mount. Let me just postulate this, right? This deal is broken, right? And they build their temple. They're very happy. They finally get to worship. Israel, right? At the temple again. They're very, very ecstatic. And so they think, wow, this person who very well could be the Antichrist, they're going to start to what? Maybe this is the Messiah. But he's not the Messiah, right? He's the counterfeit Messiah. But, midway through the seven year tribulation he's going to want to be worshiped to god they're going to realize they made a mistake and at that point that's what jesus describes in matthew chapter 24 he says flee because he's going to try to exterminate israel again that i believe could be what revelation 11, 11 is describing these two witnesses they come on the scene right there when do they come on the scene i believe when Antichrist is is trying to take out Israel again. But notice the supernatural strength that they have, the power, right? Nobody can touch them until their ministry is over. Now, their ministry is where? It's right at the temple. And it's in hostile times, So it couldn't be in the first three and a half years when this false peace is broken. It has to be in the last three and a half years when Antichrist turns on them. And so their ministry... At the temple. Where's the temple? It's in Jerusalem. And so who's at the temple and who's in Jerusalem? It's Jewish people, right? And so they're ministering repentance to the nation of Israel. So God is not finished with Israel, right? And then we do know this, right, in Paul's writings, especially Romans chapter 11, we see that literally that God's going to graft in the native branch again. And who's the native branch? It's Israel, But it's going to be done in hostile times. And so these two witnesses, they're going to be facing a lot of hostility. They're going to be protected by the Lord until their ministry is finished to the Jews. But I do believe that there's going to be a great, great revival in the Jewish nation. It's going to be at high cost, okay? I believe that's what we're reading. And that's the last three and a half years after the abomination of desolation. That makes sense, right? So that's where there's a reference to 42 months. And then it's also reference in verse 3, and I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days, which again is three and a half years, clothed in sackcloth. Why clothed in sackcloth? Because of their ministry in repentance. Their ministry ministering repentance. Clothed in sackcloth. There's the mourning, the weeping, right? Their ministry ministering repentance to Israel, to their own. Now, I want to take you across cross-reference in verse 4. It says, these are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. This gives us an indication of perhaps who these two witnesses are. Now, there's a lot of debate, and we're not going to speak to where Scripture is signed, but there's a lot of beliefs that this could be, what, Elijah and Moses or Elijah and Enoch. something even think Zerubbabel can be one of them. I mean, there's all kinds of uh, views, right? But, you know, the thing is, the Bible doesn't say... So we really don't know, but I want to take you to cross-reference because this verbiage here, these are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. I want to take you to Zechariah chapter 4. I'm going to read from verse 1 all the way to verse 14 very quickly, but you're going to see this verbiage here, and you're going to get a a kind of a uh, insight into what these two will be doing, okay? So let's go to Zechariah chapter chapter 4. Now, Zechariah, he prophesied along with Haggai to the exiles that were coming back into the land to rebuild the temple. And so who rebuilt the the temple after the temple was destroyed and uh, Solomon's temple was destroyed? It was Zerubbabel, who was the governor that came back, right? And also a man named uh, uh, Yoshua, the priest. They came back to start the rebuilding of the temple. Ezra and Nehemiah, they come in a little bit later in the second group, Right? Ezra comes as a scribe, establishes what? The reading of the word at the temple, and then Nehemiah, he fortifies the city walls, okay? So all this is happening is they're coming back into the land, but Zerubbabel and Yeshua are the first to come out, okay? And they're referencing them here, okay? In chapter 4, verse uh, 1 through 14. Now also, the prophets, Haggai and Zechariah, prophesying during this time, okay? So this is Zechariah, who's a prophet. He says, Verse 1, chapter 4 says, Now the angel who talked with me came back and wakened me as a man who is wakened out of his sleep. And he said to me, What do you see? And so I said, I am looking, and there is a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it. And on the stand, seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. Two olive trees are by it, one at the right of the bowl and the other at the at its left. And so remember in Revelation chapter 11, there's a reference to what? Two olive trees and two lampstands. Okay, so notice the verbiage, the similarity here. There's a lot of reference to the Holy Spirit, right? In Zechariah, a lot of reference, the power of the Holy Spirit. Now verse, verse, um, verse four says, So I answered and spoke to the angel who talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? Verse five, Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. And so he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. So the Spirit, right? The power of the Spirit. It's not going to be by man's might or power that he's going to build the temple. It's it's by the Spirit of God. Okay, so now keep reading. Verse 7. Who are you, O great mountain? "'Before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain, "'and he shall bring forth a capstone "'with shouts of grace, grace to it.'" Verse 8, "'Moreover the word of the Lord came to me, saying, "'The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation "'of this temple. "'His hands shall also finish it. "'Then you will know that the Lord of hosts "'has sent me to you.'" Verse 10, "'For who has despised the day of small things?' For these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. Now, the plumb line is used, right, as kind of a measuring device as well. Kind of just the plumb line. It's actually a leveling device. They are the eyes of the Lord, which scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. This is another reference to the Holy Spirit. Now, verse 11. Then I answered and said to him, What are these two olive trees? Okay, so here we go. Who are the two olive trees? What are these two olive trees? At the right of the lampstand and at its left. Verse 12. And I further answered and said to him, What are these two olive branches that drip into the receptacles of the two gold pipes from which the golden oil drains? And then he answered me and said, Do you not know that the, what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. And so he said, These are the two anointed ones who stand beside the Lord word. These are the two anointed ones. These two olive trees are the two anointed ones. So the question has to be who are these two anointed ones? Well I got to just share with you in reference to the second temple built by Zerubbabel. It's Zerubbabel and Yeshua. Zerubbabel is the governor and Yeshua is the priest. But notice the same verbiage in Revelation chapter 11. Who are those two? Maybe they're types, right? Maybe Zerubbabel and Yeshua are types. But we can't say that there's Zerubbabel or, and uh, and Yeshua. But I want you to know the same verbiage here. Let's go back to Revelation chapter 11. It says, verse 3 And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days, three years, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the god of the earth it's the same language think about it so who are these two witnesses well we know that their ministry is going to be similar right the temple is going to be rebuilt now why was the temple rebuilt in zerubbabel's time It's to re-establish worship for who for the jews sacrifice and worship right that's why they're coming back Why do you think the temple's erected again right here in the tribulation? It's to establish worship again for the Jews. Now the interesting thing is Jesus Christ is going to be the one to be worshipped. But notice how they're gathering the Jews right at the temple. And it's these two witnesses, who are they preaching? They're preaching repentance. They're preaching Christ. And as they're preaching Christ, there's this great, great, War that breaks out against them. But they, what? Fire comes out of their mouth, right? And they devour them. And they don't perish until the ministry that they have is over. What's that ministry? It's to preach repentance. to preach Jesus to the Jews. Who goes to the temple? Are the Jews. Where's the temple? It's in Jerusalem. Who lives in Jerusalem? It's the Jews. So they're preaching. They're outreaching to the Jews, okay? And they're anointed. So the similarity is the same as that. Zerubbabel and Joshua's time. Right? The temple is rebuilt to reestablish worship again. And, and notice all the references in Zechariah for to the Holy Spirit. Okay? These are the similarities that we can start to piece together. So in chapter 11, verse 4 of Revelation, these are the two olive trees and the two lamps and standing before the God of the earth. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth, devours their enemies, And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. So the anointing is upon them. Anybody wants to harm them, right? Fire comes out of them. Now think about this. Verse 6 says, these have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. So notice the spirit that's upon them. The power of the spirit that's working through them. And remember in Zechariah chapter 4, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Okay, so you can see the similarities here, right? Now, let's keep reading. It says, and they have power over waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. Now, think about this. This is where people start to kind of posture. Well, maybe I know who these witnesses are. Who had power to shut heaven so that no rain falls? Actually, to turn rain on and off. Who had that power? It's the prophet Elijah, remember? And so people say, hey, maybe this is Elijah. Doesn't say though. Now, who had the power, was given the power to turn, turn water to blood and to administer all the plagues, right? Upon Egypt. It was Moses. So people say, well, this sounds like Moses. And so a lot of people will postulate this. So they say, well, you know, maybe the two witnesses are Elijah and Moses. And what they do, what they underscore is that Moses represents what? The law? which came to the nation of Israel. And Elijah represents the prophets, which were the prophets uh, to Israel, right? And so again, it's to Israel. And so people would underscore that. Because we know that these two witnesses here, they're standing in front of the temple, which is where the Jews worship, right? So it's, they're ministering to the Jews. It says, verse 7, when they finish their testimony, the beast, verse 7, that ascends out of the bottomless pit, Will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. So, this word testimony is where we get the word martyr, right? And so, it really does fit here, right? When they finish their testimony, so when their ministry finishes, then the Lord is going to bring them home. And I want you to note that, right? It's not a day before, it's not a day after, but I believe it begins. I believe putting all this scripture together, it begins right at the abomination desolation, because until then, Israel's in false peace. They think the antichrist is Christ. But it's when the Antichrist wants to be worshipped, God's going to turn on them. And so it's at that midpoint that we see Satan wants to kill Israel. And that's when these two witnesses appear, I believe. And so they appear in the latter three and a half years. So when they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit, I believe their testimony ends just before Jesus returns. And we're between what? The sixth and seventh trumpets. Right? And so it says, it says, and we'll make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. So when their ministry ends, just before Jesus returns, when all that's called in Israel to be saved is saved, then the, the, the person will be brought back up into heaven. Okay, Brought up into heaven, right? And so verse 8 says, and their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. So we know this is a city of Jerusalem, but it's become kind of a city where Antichrist is working, right? So it's referred to as Sodom and Egypt, which is really basically a picture of the world, right? Now, verse 9 says, Then those from the peoples, tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days. I believe it's three and a half days when it says it, okay? And not allow their dead bodies to be put into grave. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them, make merry, and send gifts to one another. They're going to be having a party. They're going to be celebrating what? The death of these two witnesses. Why? Because nobody can kill them before. And what are they preaching? They're preaching truth, aren't they? Are, right? They're preaching truth. And the world is watching. They're right in front of the temple, but how's the world watching? Well, it's through the live stream, through the internet. That's how they're watching. Now, 50 years ago, that wouldn't be possible. But we see how this can literally come to pass. So three and a half days. So they're going to be rejoicing. Why are they rejoicing, the world? Because truth was snuffed out. Now, you can kind of watch what's happening on TV right now in this world. People are rejoicing in what? In the lie. They rejoice when truth is snuffed out. (laughs) everything's kind of gone bonkers, right? Right has become wrong. Wrong has become right. And people, when righteousness is preached, they get really agitated. They get really upset. And so these guys are preaching truth, and they don't like it. Notice it says, because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. How do they torment it? Because the truth torments those who want to live in the lie. How do you know that? And you just go go to any place in this world and say, you know what? Do you believe on the name of Jesus Christ? Boy, they're going to stone you. If you just say God, I believe in God, it's okay. But we say Jesus Christ, oh, man, that's that's fighting words. You see, this is going to happen. They're going to be agitated, right, the world. And they're going to rejoice when these two prophets die. But note this. It says, now after the three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them. And they stood on their feet. And great fear fell on all those who saw them. Now, when it says all those who saw them, how many? who do you think saw them? I think it's the entire world. But you know, isn't this God's mercy? God keeps on trying. He, his desires had all come to repentance, right? And believe on the name of Jesus. And he keeps on, even to the end. You see, people can just watch that and say, you know what, Lord, forgive me. I was wrong, repent. They can do it at this point, but they don't.
1: Thanks again for joining us in our podcast of Calvary Chapel, Echo Park. We hope and pray that you have been blessed by the teaching and join us again as we continue to study the Word of God. Once again, you can always visit us on our homepage at ccechopark.com for more information and teachings from Pastor David. To God be the glory.